Hey, welcome back to your first million. It's Arlen. On my last episode, I mentioned that we're going to take a few weeks off for summer break, I guess you can call it, um, off of the interview episodes. So we'll get back to our interview episodes starting in September of 2021. And right now is it's July of 2021. And I also mentioned that throughout I would do some solo episodes and I'd also do some other types of episodes. So this one is the first of those. I wanted to share with you some of my favorite podcast episodes that I've done on other people's podcasts the past few months and also um, some audio from some of my talks that I've given or interviews that I've had recently because a lot of times you're not able to catch all of those obviously so uh, there may be something within it on the audio version of that that it just really speaks to you and I love the idea of repurposing it for the podcast so you can catch it maybe it's right on time the right thing to be to, to listen to or to hear so want you to check this out this is from I believe it was it was June or July 2020 last year my book had just come out I was doing a ton of interviews uh, like for six weeks straight, I just did interview after interview after interview. And this one stood out to me. This was really cool. Now, yes, it was a f- flattering interview, uh, for sure. Um, but I also think there are some really great um, nuggets of information there that I listened back to it just now, and it actually helped me. That happens a lot, actually. I'll listen back to something, to a conversation that I've had with someone if we recorded it, and I'm like, Actually, that that meant a lot to me at the time, and it means even more to me now. And so I really like this medium of audio, if you haven't noticed. So check it out. It's Danielle at DataFem, DataFem. The link will be in the show notes, so check them out wherever you're listening to this. And show some love. Go check out. If you like this interview, if you like Danielle's style, definitely go show some love on her podcast um, I think that's all you really need to know. Also, check out arlen.capital, A-R-L-A-N.capital. If you have not taken my Investing as a Catalyst course, whoo, man, more than 100 people have gone through it. It is just one of the most fun things I've ever done. And right now I'm, ta- I'm collecting emails of people who want to be informed of when I make my announcement for the next cohort. So... Uh, you got to check it out, Arlen.Capital. Let's get right into this interview with Danielle. And uh, let's see what I was feeling back then. I'm a little salty towards the end, but let's see what I was feeling about a year ago this time. You're literally like, I just, I love your book. I pretty much cry every time I turn it on, you know, like you narrating it. It's just this magical experience. And I got to thank you you for being here, like from the bottom of my heart, because I am a very big fan. (laughs) Well, I am so happy to be here. Thank you. I really was moved, particularly when you said that none of us are self-made because that term gets thrown around all the time. And if no, like if somebody would be self-made, it's you. <laughs> but I just want to <laughs> kind of hear your take on that because what you said about community in the book was really beautiful. Yeah, um, I, I just, I think that a lot of people have 
gone against great odds and have really impressive stories and journeys. And I don't take any of that away from them or us. I, I, I don't think, you know, it's, it's, it's across the board. However, even, even the, the, the most harrowing story, if you break it down, if you really go into it, it is a collaboration. There's nothing, I just haven't found the person who has made something of themselves or has survived something without someone else uh, being a part of it. And that doesn't mean it has to be a lot of people or it doesn't have to be a day-to-day thing, but because um, a lot of times I did feel like I was on an island. I felt like I was going through this alone. And I think about people who are literally in solitary confinement and people like that, but you just, there's always someone on the other side or who have inspired you or who have uh, been there. You know, I, in the book, I say equated to you're running a marathon and you don't know if you can, you're halfway through or far, far into it. You don't know if you can keep going. And then out of nowhere, someone hands you, don't even, maybe we don't even know who they are, but they hand you the cup of water and it just gives you that much more uh, stamina. And so that's what I mean by it. I, 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 think, I think it shouldn't take away from the great things that we've done uh, uh, for ourselves, but I don't think it was by ourselves. Awesome. And that comparison hits home. I've run the Chicago Marathon and the LA Marathon and every time I would see a bus go by, I'm like, <laughs> I just want to run over there and top on the bus yeah. and call it a day. Um, <laughs> but the fact that you're running with so many other people, whether it's fear of being judged, though nobody's paying attention to anyone but themselves, or just, you know, feeling that kind of group energy really does keep you going. So the marathon comparison definitely works there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's another thing you said that I think is really important and I'm trying to kind of adopt it more. You said that if you have no assets, you must become an asset yourself. Or you said you, if you have no assets, you must become the asset. Um, and what are some tips for making ourselves into assets and like, you know, developing ourselves to really view things that way? Uh, well, it, it really starts with the information. The reason I use information first is because it's one of those things that you don't have to have money to attain. Oh, you don't have a lot, have to have a lot of money to attain. So anytime that I was um, broke, which was most of the time before the last five years, what I could, what I, I couldn't do was a lot of things, were a lot of things, but what I could do, I, I was, um, seek out information, learn more about a certain topic, learn more about a topic that I just knew nothing about. And so I could have a foundation about it and speak about it uh, just to add to your repertoire or go a deeper dive on things that I already knew, but I, but I leveled up on. And the reason that's important is because I just, just before this conversation had an hour long fireside for a, a class that is um, like a paid class that is taking learning how to become venture capitalists and these are lawyers and these are other other investors of types and I was able to answer the questions that they asked and I was able to talk a lot about venture and that's what's something in itself the fact that I I didn't know what venture was 10 years ago and I can I'm now being asked to teach in classes but even beyond that 
I could reference so many things that were not about venture to describe venture or to make a point. And so when you have those things that you can kind of pull at, that you can help, it helps you really negotiate and it helps you really relate to different types of people. So if you're ever in a situation where you're, where you're having to speak to people in a room and they come from different, either a different background than you or various backgrounds, having a robust knowledge of a few different topics will come in handy naturally. You'll, it'll, you'll be able to, to do an analogy or pull this reference from this and, and it really you can see people being drawn in by it and it can be, it's a delight and surprise sort of thing. And so even those little nuanced ways of using information uh, have been helpful. And then it helps you with your confidence. If you know a lot about a certain topic or a couple of topics, the more you know about it, the less you feel like an imposter and the less you feel like nervous uh, speaking to it or that you will be caught off guard on the topic. So that builds your confidence and has you walking into the room with a little bit more of your chin up. And you do that over and over and over again. You're just building this out. And then you become more attractive to the people you're trying to convince, to the stakeholders, to the vendors or to future employees or to your own boss or to your own, you know, people you want to be a co-founder, an investor, because you know more about something than they do. And that's valuable. And, and so it's not about being a know-it-all. It's not about like, oh, I know this top to bottom, you can't teach me anything. But it's more about like having a conviction and confidence in a, in, a, in a topic can be very compelling. I love what you said about information being something that you can obtain on a budget or no budget. Um, because in my fields with data science, now I'm more on the media side, but I am a data scientist and I learned most of what I know from just looking up free tutorials and a lot of the software is free and open source. And there's so much data out there, especially like city crime data, domestic violence data, all of these things that need to be processed and you know filtered for insights. And it's all something you can just do from your home. And I think that's what's been really powerful for me seeing the industry is that it is a collaboration of people who might have varying degrees of, you know, paper assets or abilities or connections, but it's really great to have that open source technology. So that definitely makes me think of what you said for sure. Um, and I am interested because I am a trader myself. I'm on E-Trade and I've been working as a trader for a while, like just it's fun for me. So I am wondering kind of how data fits into your trading strategies and how you manage your syndicates or just how data fits into your life, period. <laughs> I think how it fits into my life mainly is not so organized, you know, not so structured, but the fact that I've seen more than 6,000 companies. So I've spoken to more than 6,000 companies either for five minutes or for five years each. And I've seen thousands of pitch decks and I've seen hundreds of deals, like the, the actual inner workings of a deal. And I have raised money from hundreds 
a couple of hundred investors, which means I've talked to thousands of them. So these data points that I pull, um, again, I, I haven't done a, and I, you know, regret it a little bit. I haven't done like a CRM. We have one at Backstage where we have a, a whole database um, from everybody, but not, but not mine. And so it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit lacking in that way. But it, you can easily get into the danger of pattern matching when you have all that information and that data in your head. But for me, I, because I didn't kind of grow up in this industry or any sort of corporate structure, I just look at it like, wow, that's something, again, I can reference. I can, I can think through uh, how that might play out, but also like paint with a few colors of how it, how it could be different than the rest. I'm very big on uh, using data to understand the, the, the rules, understand what the history but also have a lot of flexibility and that, that doesn't mean that it's, that it's the only way. You have a lot of power and leverage in, in saying, I'm not going to do this thing, but oh yeah, by the way, I, I do know all of the, I, I did reference, you know, I do have reference to all of the different ways of doing this. I've just chosen not to do any of them. Like for instance, um, to, you know, if you're learning about a religion and you're, you're saying you're not going to be part of this religion, well, there's a lot more credence and a lot more uh, legitimacy in someone who says, I don't believe in this particular religion, but I've also read all of their materials to make the point that I don't believe in it. Instead of, I don't, I don't think that part, I don't think this Democrat is smart or this Republican is smart, but you don't know any other policy. There's so many people that are guilty of that, you know, just wanting to say... <laughs> Like Twitter. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I just can't believe, I mean, I guess since you're so up there, you know, you would get trolls, but I'm, you know, when you post about people being mean to you, I'm just like, who would be mean? You you give people like all the reasons to be inspired and just, you know, like in awe of what you're doing. So some of the things you post, I'm just like, Oh gosh, how could somebody even have not it's not even nerves. It's like what is that word that people use? Cacacity or whatever to, to approach you <laughs> the cacacity of it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to tell you it's not cacacity in every in every instance. Well, and in and in fact, I haven't said it because I feel no need to, but um I haven't said it on Twitter, but the who I was referring to in that very specific have been a few black men. Mm. who um I, I get it all the time I have a lot of back channel hate I hate to use that word because it makes me it makes it sound like I'm just this little influencer that gets all the hate and it's just black and white you know <laughs> and OP, I, I, I'm not I'm not so above reproach you can you can you can um challenge me and criticize of course um I think that a lot of times though people do that just like with most things people do that and they just really don't know I, I've I've read things about myself. I don't read comments. I stopped doing that in 2018. I don't read the comments in Reddit or anything like that. Um, but I I do hear things from people who are, um, you know, back channel stuff, and I will I'll know certain things just because I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a pull uh, these days. So I, I'll just hear you know people who have my back will say you know this person who has in public asked to work with you in private this is what they say to people about you and um you know having that information is it's good some of that comes and, and, and a lot of time i mean most times it's, it's it's white men um <laughs> let's be honest but but 
it's really just uh, mostly people who either don't know me well enough to understand like what I'm doing or they um, they don't care to know me. They don't want they don't want to be right. They just they don't want to be accurate. They just want to be right. And so when you when you have that sort of like I was on the cover of of Fast Company in 2018. I was on the cover of a magazine as as the first black woman who wasn't a celebrity to be in to be in the actual industry that the magazine is for. I was on this cover. So you're going to have to understand that how many people feel like still like I should I should have been on the cover if anybody was going to be on the cover. She's going to be on the cover. She just got here. I should have been on the cover. I've been here for 10 years. I've been here for 20 years. I've been doing, so you have a lot of, not, not a ton of it, but you do have some significant amount of that. And you also have people who are peers who are like, well, I've only been here the same amount of time, but why her and not, why does she get this and not me? And why is it in a group picture? And you know, (laughs) it it really started. It really did start there. It started, it was on a new level starting then. And so there's this, there's this group of people, black, white, um, other, who, who want to see me not, they want it to be too good to be true for one reason or another. And they're very excited when anything is shaky. And what, what kills them sometimes, I think, is that I am so transparent that I'll be the first person to be like, ah, oh, nah, man, you know, that experiment didn't work out. Or man, we, 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 we made the wrong choice here. You know, I'll be the first person to say that. But what's really going on is that we're just putting our heads down and we're putting in the work. You, you, like, I don't know anybody who could do what we do it backstage with the resources, the, the lack of resources we have. So it, for about a day, it affects me. For about a day, I'm like, oh, I wish they didn't think that because I'm a good person. You know? And then about a day later, I'm like... Hey, a minute, I am too busy over here surviving and thriving and impacting for me to worry about what homeboy, like person number two over here who, I'm, I'm saying like their, their handle, you know, like, a, yeah. you know, object 4,000, what they have to say about what I did, like this one killed me, he was like, somebody posted something about me and then this guy chimed in, he's like, yeah, I've been, I've been wanting to call her out. <laughs> And I wrote oh. to him in a DM. I wrote to him in a DM. I said, I'm right here, son. <laughs> like, call me out. Like, call me out. Oh, well, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Let me explain myself. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Or the people like, that get offended so... when you say no to doing something with them, like you owe them for some reason. I just want to ask yeah. these all the time, like, yeah. what, why do you feel entitled to her time? Like, Why? you know, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, a lot of people, a lot of people are just, they're like, they are hungry. You know, I say be hungry, not thirsty. They're all hungry. They are just like, I really want to get in front of you because I want you to see me. And I, and I feel that I understand that I was that and I am that. So I get that. But the thing is like, I cannot be the only, I cannot be your one shot. It just doesn't work math wise. And so like, if you're, if your whole thing is, I need you to see me, Make it instead of it like she has to see me in the next month because this is when we're raising. Make it more like I hope I, Arlen sees me in the next five years because at some point she's gonna see me <laughs> at the right time. Somebody's not seeing me right now. Either they don't, either they don't see me and they're not gonna ever see me. Fine, I'll just keep going. Or I'm gonna say, okay, I'm supposed to meet them in a different season. 
But what I'm not going to do is say, well, you should have done this and you should have done that. And let me just burn this bridge right here now because I didn't get in my way with the person who receives thousands of messages per day. That's just not going to be the move I make strategically. So why would I think it's the smart one for someone else? Yeah. And somehow you just flipped that back on like trying to help them. That's amazing. <laughs> like it's, it's really, it's, it's a real pleasure. I mean, it's amazing that you've been here talking to me, but it's also every time I tune into your podcast or listen to the book, it's just, it's a true pleasure to hear from you. Um, and all the tips you. you give meeting 10,000 people. I'm hoping that I can do that virtually or whatever. But I mean, I'm also like yeah. in the sense that I network a lot. And so when I read about that project, I'd laughed because it, the way you describe it is so like endearing, but yeah. so, you know, real. And it just made me think like, okay, I'm meeting a lot of people. I should keep track better, you know, because yeah. people I yeah. meet aren't Arlen Hamilton that I'm not, I don't remember, you know? Um, and I think like being more intentional about that is a really good thing, even in this day and age where everything's online. I just really want to thank you. I've been looking forward to this for forever. And I'm so honored and humbled that you spent time with me. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and, and thank you for giving me the platform. Of course. Yeah. You see, you see me retweeting you on Twitter like every second. Yeah. So. <laughs> I appreciate the support and I just, I just appreciate it. You know, it's a hundred percent appreciation.